This is Save the Nation on ADH-TV. I'm David Flint, and I'm delighted to have with us today Peter Manuel, who's the head of Flag Australia. Peter Manuel is a farmer, and he's formed an organization, Flag Australia. Peter, could you explain to us, and welcome, could you explain to us what is Flag Australia? Nice to talk to you again, uh, Professor. Uh, Flag Australia, Food Producers Landowners Action Group Australia, is fighting for the right of mum and dad farmers to grow clean, healthy food. And the reason I started that uh, over 13 years ago now, I went to a natural resource management meeting and there was about 150 people at this meeting and about six or seven Department of Water out the front and uh, I knew nothing what was going on and it was like a, a movie screen flashed in front of me and I thought, hang on, this is about total control. Uh, and uh, I asked a question. I said, who owns the water? They wouldn't answer it. I asked again. They wouldn't answer it. Third time, I said, well, I'm not going anywhere. Can you tell us who owns the water? And they said, the Crown. And I said, well, if the Crown owns the water, I said, we own our dams, we own our bores, we own our rainwater tanks. We'll bill you for the so-called uh, ownership of the water. So uh, it was funny, after that, they say they manage the precious resource. So that's why I started Flag SA and now we've become Flag Australia. And uh, what's happening to the mum and dad farmers, David, is absolutely disgraceful. And I think that great book that you can see just on my side, uh, written by Professor David Flint and Jai Martinkovic, Give Us Back Our Country. And we've got the beautiful Australian flag behind me, which I uh, really treasure. Uh, we've country the Australian flag. Now, I, I am very, very concerned that our own people, David, are destroying the mum and dad farmers. And when I say uh, the own people, bureaucrats and politicians are pandering to non-elected dictatorships, the UN, the World Economic Forum, the WHO, and I think it's absolutely disgraceful. We, uh, you, you referred to a book that uh, I wrote with Jai, and uh, it was about uh, Take Back Your Country. And we had a chapter in that, and the chapter was Why Do They Hate Our Farmers? And we, as city people, got the very strong impression that the politicians seemed to hate the farmers because they were constantly taking decisions which were damaging to farmers. But you, you're saying, are you not? And you had an interview recently, you were telling me, with a local newspaper. And at the end of the interview, you actually asked the journalist, the young lady journalist, two questions. And what were those questions? Well, the main question was, I said to her, I said, you've asked me a few questions. I'd like to ask you one. What's the most important thing in our lives? And uh, I had to help her out there. And, uh, and I said, uh, water. And she looked at me and I said, what? I said, education's important. Uh, you know, we know health and power and all the rest. But we got none of this, David, without water. Water is the essence of life. And you, you said, did you not, uh, Peter, if I can interrupt you, you said there are two things that are important, you were telling me. Firstly, it's water, and secondly, it's food. Well, you got no food without water. And you've been telling me, have you not, that... Uh, the amount of food being imported into Australia is increasing as a proportion of the total food in this country. Is that correct? Oh, definitely. We're going to end up net food imports, David. And the reason being is the amount of 
stations that are being bought up with taxpayers' money, uh, the sheep and cattle are being removed, and uh, they're called national parks. The amount of land that's being built on good agricultural land, food-producing land, that's being built on with houses, solar panels, wind turbines, carbon credits. So our increased population with all these immigrants coming in, uh, where where is the food going to come from? Because we're not going to be able to grow it, David, and we're in serious trouble thanks to our politicians that have done this. And another thing, water, when we talk about water, uh, it was absolutely disgraceful when water was separated from land and now we've got people owning water rights, a lot of foreigners that don't own any land whatsoever. They can hang on to these water rights and when we're in drought again, sell it at huge, huge money, which is disgusting. Nobody should own water without owning land. That was done, was it not, by Mr Turnbull, Malcolm Turnbull, when he was minister in a minister in the uh, Howard government. He decided that it would be a good thing to release the water, separate it from the land and put it onto the market. And of course, it's ended up with these speculators in other countries, which doesn't seem to be a very sensible thing. But the other thing in relation to water, if I could interrupt you, the other thing in relation to water is that since about the time of the Hawke government, most politicians seem to have gone very close to having a ban on new dams. The previous government, the Morrison government, had a few dams being improved or starting, but as soon as Mr Albanese got in, he stopped every dam which was on the government agenda. Why is this? Why do the politicians have something against dams? The, th the simple thing is, David, you control water, you control everything. Here in South Australia, uh, now which uh, we used to have the Natural Resource Management Board, now the Liberal Party, when they were in, made it Landscape SA, uh, and I've heard and I've got a meeting with the Department of Water next week, no more dams in South Australia. We've had massive flooding here. Uh, you know, our dams are flood mitigation ponds, our dams are ecosystems, our dams are there for fire prevention, our dams are there for native animals to come and drink freely, uh, and this lunacy about no more dams is nothing short of a disgrace, I can tell you. And uh, I think uh, Albanese, the way he's going in this country with different things that he's doing, um, he's going to kill this country, he really is. Uh, and it's a shame to think that years and years ago we had access to water, clean, healthy water. Now we get charged a right to take water levy on our dams, whether we use it or not, taxing the rain, David, and that is disgusting. There was a time when politicians did build dams, but politicians today seem to be, to, to be there to either create problems or to make them worse. Uh, one of the... The, the, perhaps no doubt the leading speaker in this organisation, the leading commentator, Alan Jones, has always been strongly committed in relation to the watering of Australia. And Alan says, and he's so right in this, Alan says, it's not that enough water doesn't fall on Australia, it just falls in the wrong places. And what we've got to do is what other countries do, move the water around to where it's needed. And he points to three magnificent plans which were built by people 
Some many decades ago, or proposed by people some many decades ago, and that's Bradfield in relation to the Murray-Darling. Dr. Bradfield was the man who did so much for the Sydney transport situation. He built the underground system in, uh, and designed it in, uh, in uh, Sydney. He built the Harbour Bridge. He was a great engineer and one of his schemes was to bring water down from the north of Queensland down through the river system into the Murray-Darling and down into South Australia, which would have watered that whole part of the country. And it would have allowed Australia to develop like the United States, so that uh, when immigrants come to Australia, they don't do what about 700,000 or perhaps a million people in quite a short period are going to do. They're all going to move into Sydney, Melbourne, and uh, Brisbane and the surrounding area around Brisbane. What we really need to do is spread immigration around Australia, but the politicians won't allow that. The Bradfield plan was to bring water down from Queensland, from the north of Queensland. There'll always be reasons why you can't do this, and there's just been in Queensland some advice by the CSIRO and other people saying, oh, you can't do this, or it won't do as much as promised, and so on. Another plan was the Beale plan, named after a New South Wales minister, and that related to bringing water from the coast of New South Wales into the Murray-Darling. And there was also one in Western Australia by the first Indigenous minister in Western Australia, Ernie Bridge. And Bridge's plan was to bring the water down, and there's an enormous amount of water enormous amount of water which flows into the ocean, into the Indian Ocean. And that can be brought down from northern Western Australia down to the south of Western Australia and make that area even more lush and interesting than it is. These wonderful plans should have been implemented long ago. They were thought of long ago. And of course, the politicians always find reasons not to do this. The Albanese government stopped the few plans that the Morrison government had going. And what do you think of that, Peter? What do you think we should be doing in relation to these, to these wonderful plans? They should go ahead, David. But the big problem you've got there as well, and, and I'm not knocking what you've just said. It's, it's a great idea. But when you have a look at a bill that uh, uh, is going to be put into federal parliament, allegedly by Linda Burney, a federal ALP politician, that the First Nations people own the water. Now, that has serious consequences if they own the water. What's going to happen? We, we can see what's happening at the moment with the Aboriginal Heritage Act in Western Australia, which is causing major problems already about an Aboriginal coming on, or First Nations, whatever you want to call them, coming onto our land, anything we do... Um, at $150 an hour, and there's three tiers that can go up to $280 an hour, for this person to come onto our land and say, look, you can't even put a fence post in, uh, this is absolutely ridiculous. Now, if the First Nations own the water, where does that lead to? Does that mean that they can come on and say, your cattle or sheep can't drink out of that dam? You can't use that bore for irrigation? This is going to have huge consequences. And if you own something... As far as I'm concerned, you're responsible for it. If I've got a vehicle that's not registered, bull tyres or whatever, who's responsible for that vehicle? I am. I'm responsible. So if you own the water, the First Nations own the water, 
where is it going to, you know, get to with all our flooding, the damage that water can do with we're getting water courses being changed with uh, development, housing development. So who's going to be responsible for this damn destruction that's going to happen? So I think this First Nations bill that's going in that they own the water is going to have huge repercussions. They want to really think about that one. Water is a shared resource uh, and nobody should own it. Yes, this is wider than that, isn't it? It's all associated with the voice. Correct. And it seems to be that the government has this plan to establish an organisation, the effect of which will be to slow down even further the development of this country. And it seems to put this body, the, uh, the voice, into a position where no reform government in this country can ever do anything effective. We're going to have a referendum on it, as you know. It's not just restricted to water. It also relates to the land, as we've seen in Western Australia, where everybody who has even, even a relatively small, not the tiniest, but a smallish block of land, finds that to do anything on that land, they have to have permission from the traditional owners. Sometimes there seems to be a dispute between who are actually the traditional owners and there's a dispute between two of them and it means that the whole country is going to be dragged to a halt. It's a terrible situation and we're going to have a referendum on this. But there's another matter. Not only not only is this, this, this attempt to create this organisation, this voice which is going to have some control over all development in Australia but also all activities in Australia and involve the payment of money. As one of them says, Mr. Mr. Thomas Mayo says, it's the, the way in which we will get the rent which we need and we will punish politicians who don't uh, follow what we want. That's one thing. But in addition, there's another, and that's in relation to so-called global warming. And we have here the minister, Mr. Bowen, and Mr. Bowen has just announced that in order to achieve by 2050 net zero, net zero emissions, they call them carbon emissions, they mean CO2 emissions, by 2030, they've got to achieve 43% of net zero emissions. And to do this, they've signalled, Mr. Bowen has signalled six industries which he says are excessively polluting. Six industries that are excessively polluting them. And one of those six industries is, believe it or not, agriculture. So Mr. Bowen is, is going to target agriculture with special burdens to stop uh, agriculture from producing. We've seen this also in the Netherlands. There seems to be a strange obsession among politicians to damage agriculture. Heaven knows what it's going to do to our food. Uh, I, I'm sure you're well aware of this, Peter. Yes, David. Uh, what a sad case Mr Bowen is. Very sad case. I mean, we should really cut the food supply to him uh, three <laughs> times a day, every day. Thank a farmer. Uh, if I could just bring up one other little issue, David, low-flow bypasses that they're putting on our dams. At the moment, it's voluntary, but uh, with the way they're trying to destroy the agricultural industry or the mum and dad farmer, um, these devices, just so people uh, know, is a basically a sump at the 
end of a dam where the most water comes in. Uh, they dig a hole, they put a sump in, they dig a big channel around the dam, put a big pipe, and that when you just get a steady downpour, not a real heavy downpour, most of that water is going to go down the side of a dam and just dribble in your paddock. Your dam won't fill. You need a massive downpour for water to in your dam. So this is another way of restricting farmers. They're talking about restricting stock numbers. We've got a situation now where I sent some cows off the other day and only got the half half the price that I was getting just over 12 months ago. So agriculture is in serious trouble. The mum and dad farmer uh, is on top of the endangered list. And um, I just can't believe that these politicians, who, who are they working for? Because they're not working for the people of Australia. I'd like to know who they actually are working for. What have they been promised to destroy this country? Because this country is being destroyed and the whole bang lot of them are a disgrace. And they're in the Liberal Party as well. We know what the Greens want and so on. I think it is absolutely terrible and I feel sorry. I've got a lot, 11 grandchildren and I feel so sorry for the uh, future generation, David, and this should not be happening. This low-flow bypass, let me just uh, grasp what it's all about. Is it to stop you when there's a lot of rain? Is it to stop you from accumulating water? Is that with the idea? Low, with these, That's correct. With these low-flow bypasses, you need very heavy rain for water to go into your dams. You really do. Uh, and they clog up very easy, and if they clog up, well, you're going to get more water in your dam. But I'll guarantee you the way we're going, because we're dealing with communism in this country, we'll have certain police coming around making sure the farmer keeps these low-flow bypasses free of debris and, and silt and all the rest of it, because uh, we can see the way we're heading in this country. And I honestly feel that that's what this is all about. Um, communism is about dividing countries. We can see that with the voice, what's happening. It's not about uniting. Uh, it's about dividing this country. And there's, I feel so sorry for the Aboriginal people, David, um, that are in the midst of this, because uh, I've got a lot of Aboriginal friends. My wife comes from the most isolated place in Australia and dealt with a lot of Aboriginals. And I feel sorry that they're being used as pawns, because this is nothing about the First Nation people. This is communism. This is control. And I'll be voting no, and my family will be voting no, and my friends will be voting no. And I've got three dogs at home, and they say no. <laughs> the uh, the people who are behind the voice, the ones who are calling for it, seem to be part of the traditional uh, establishment, the Aboriginal establishment. They've always seemed to be there. Uh, there's an organisation, the NIAA, well-funded, which advises the government on all sorts of Aboriginal matters. No doubt they're also consulted about them. They have been there for a very long period of time, and the gap has considered, the, the gap has continued while they were there. They don't seem to have done anything about the gap or stopped the gap in any way, and uh, it doesn't seem to be working. And it seems, or the suggestion is, that if the voice is enacted, that they will then suddenly cure the gap. Well, I doubt that they will because they've shown no inclination to do that. Now, getting back to, getting back to your land, you seem to have a lot of problems. I gather that you're not allowed to take measures to ensure that fire, bushfires will not occur on your property. You were telling me that certain types of bushes have to be maintained. 
and yet the government doesn't maintain a proper state of the roads and the national parks and stop bushfires in those areas. Am I correct there? Absolutely spot on, David. Yes, no, we're not allowed to clean up our roadsides. Uh, in South Australia, they are an absolutely disgusting mess. Huge debris lying on our lying around on our roadside, roadside. Can't clear it because it's habitat. Well, if we could clear it, the little habitat, the little lizard, spider, it's going to tie up a, a bit of bark on a live tree or whatever. This is all to push their climate change garbage, as we know it is garbage, because they can uh, uh, really push that uh, we're getting bigger bushfires, wildfires in this country. And, and our roadsides are a wick to go into reg regional towns. Uh, and uh, I'm a great believer that prevention is better than the cure. Now, you talk about a particular bush, prickly acacia bush, David, kerosene bush, highly flammable. It's called acacia paradoxia, and we're not allowed to clear it. Up, acacia up paradoxia, is that it? Acacia paradoxia, uh, highly inflammable. It's uh, nicknamed kerosene bush, uh, says it all. But uh, we've Peter, got is it, uh, if I can interrupt you, is it indigenous? Well, they say it is. Uh, you know, we all hear that. This so is, we've got uh, to keep it. You can't uh, get rid of it. Now, now, uh, this, you've got to keep this on your property. They don't clean. They don't clean their roads. They leave a lot of junk in them. It's forbidden to clean that uh, rubbish up. And of course, the national parks are absolutely uncultivated. There's no attention to the national parks. All of these are very dangerous in the state of a bushfire, and they are the creation of our politicians, are they not? Yes, they certainly are, David. This in, environmental movement has absolutely conned our politicians, and I think it's an absolutely disgrace. And as uh, Flag Australia's motto is, no farms, no food, no Australia. You, and uh, that's the way we're heading, unfortunately. Peter, you've told me that some of these measures, for example, the low-flow bypasses, have been proposed by coalition or Liberal government? Yes, allegedly, David, uh, under, I think it was the Morrison government, and uh, I'll stand to be corrected, uh, gave uh, $8.5 million, thereabouts, uh, federal money for these low-flow bypasses. The state Labor Party, uh, allegedly $4 million. Uh, so that's about $12.5 million to put these devices, which, mind you, what taxpayer had a say in this? It's taxpayers' money... Uh, that's being put in to a device that we are going to uh, not be able to protect our homes, our stock, our implements, and uh, grow less food. So, you know, I think you've got to start joining the dots here. Who's behind all this? And uh, I think it's a higher power. I think our politicians have been hoodwinked, and I think it's a disgrace. We need some decent, good, strong politicians in there that actually care for this country. We really do. Peter, uh, when I was a little boy, all of our electricity came from coal and the, the coal power station wasn't that far away. And uh, hopefully we were, we, once they built more dams and more dams were certainly on the agenda in New South Wales, some magnificent dams were built. When I was young or before I was born, no dams or very few dams since the Borragamba of any decent size have been built in New South Wales. The Warragam Dam is a magnificent dam and it maintains Sydney and thank heavens it was built before this current period. But what I notice when you go around the country 
is a vast part of the country now is covered by solar farms, ugly looking wind farms, which apparently drive people mad if they live near them. They take up enormous amount of land. On top of that, because the electricity then has to be moved from those areas, instead of just coming not far away from where the coal was or, or from the, uh, the dams where the hydro could be produced, there have to be massive transmission lines. They've put massive transmission lines through the Snowy where that ridiculous project Snowy 2 that Mr Turnbull instituted, which is uh, many times the cost of what it was proposed originally, taking much more time than ever it was proposed. But there have to be these massive transmission lines which are going through the Snowy, which are going to go across farmers' farms. Heaven knows what they'll do to them and do to the cattle as they go over them. So the whole country has to be covered with massive transmission to bring this so-called renewable energy, uh, which uh, Professor Primer calls unreliable energy into the cities where the electricity is needed. And this is going to take away, is it not? It's going to take away more good farming land in a country which is not replete with good farming land because of the lack of water. Is that the situation? Um, is that a, a fair summary? A very fair summary. And you mentioned a great man, Professor Ian Plymer, speaks a lot of common sense. Um, now, you're right, David, and all these transmission lines and roads and everything like that, they've got to clear this land. But, you know, we can't even cut down a tree on our farms that's got a hollow in it because it's habitat. You know, a bird might be nesting in it and so on. Um, you know, we, we've really got to get back to some common sense, some basics. But I honestly feel that this country is, is in just such a terrible mess with people in politics that want to destroy this country and uh, it's very, very sad. Very sad. Uh, you know, we need good people. I mean, you should have a general of Australia. Uh, we need good people uh, in there, strong people that are going to say, we're not taking any notice of these non-elected dictatorships. We're going to run our own country. We're going to get back to being self-sufficient in food. And do you know what? We could supply the world, David. We, we could be a very, very rich country. We could supply the world with clean, healthy food. And have a look at our coal. Where does our coal go? China. So what do they make? They make the wind turbines. They make the solar panels. Solar panels are what last about 15 years. So we're going to be the dumping ground for these solar panels. Uh, what a, a real mess. I, I feel very sad to what's happening in this country. When I was a young man, Singapore was still a very poor country. Singapore has nothing. It's got a harbour, had some manufacturing, but it has no resources like this country. The average income in Singapore is now well ahead of Australia's. We should be one of the wealthiest countries in the world. And the reason we're not one of the wealthiest countries of the world is because of our elites and our political class. We're being very poorly served by them. And the Australian people have to wake up to this and make sure that they change their governments. Peter, you've done magnificence with your flag, Australia. You've really waved that, and I know that you're always attending to all sorts of issues, particularly in South Australia, but not only in South Australia, and you're very well known for what you do there. And I think I have to congratulate you for the wonderful work that you and 
Flag Australia are doing. Unfortunately, time is catching up with us and we started uh, a little late, but for next time we'll work this out very well because we now understand the processes of contacting one another. I'm not very good at it, and, uh, but, but it is a wonderful thing that we can get your message and this will not be the, the last of uh, your appearances on this wonderful uh, channel which has been established here, ADH-TV. Well, once again, Peter, thank you very much. And thank you very much, David, for the interview. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your interview. And thank you for what you do uh, for Australians, because we need more people like you. And thanks to the uh, young people that set this ADH TV up. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Thank well, you. Well, they are wonderful supporters and uh, they're doing a, a superb job. And this is ADH TV. This is Save the Nation on that uh, channel, and I'm David Flint, and until next time, thank you.